Fairy Lights for Fairy Nights. It's time for your bedtime story. Brought to you by me, the Suze. Also brought to you by me, Zelda. Put your PJs on and sit down for a soothing bedtime story. It's not just the devil in the details. What else is lurking? Fairy Lights for Fairy Nights. where I usually start talking and talking and talking, Ken. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, today, Zelda has a important meeting, so she's listening in the in the distance like a fairy godmother. And um, Ken and I are going to bring you fairy lights for fairy nights. It's going to be rad. Sorry, I'll, I'll stop that. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I, I don't mind it. You kind of sound like the the demon voice in uh, Legend a little bit. You're Maybe I'm the devil in the details. Yeah, uh, you are. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I'm I'm happy to help out tonight uh, since Zelda's got a, a very important meeting and whatnot. So uh, mm -hmm. I uh, helped handpick a little bit of uh, fun stuff for Fairy Lights or Fairy yeah. Nights tonight. And you have a surprise. I do. When we were when we were thinking of fairy lights, fairy nights, we were trying to get the courage to bring you these fairy tales and have fun with it. Um, Ken said, "One day I would like to bring this fairy tale to you." And yes. Yeah. So there's one, one from your childhood. Yeah, there's one from my childhood. We're gonna uh, bring to you. Uh, at some point, I'll do my own reading of it. Uh, but uh, it was a little too much to try and tackle before uh, today. So we had a bunch of other stuff going on, but, um, stuff, uh, stuff, stuff. who am I kidding? I could have found time to do it. Uh, I was just lazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just be doing? honest. Um, All right. uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, I thought, you know, since, uh, this is, uh, we have a lot of our usual listeners from turn up the night. AKA the turnips. Oh yeah, yeah, the turnips. Yeah. So this is see, we have a bunch of surprises. It's going to be a little bit different than when Susan Zelda do the show it, because we're kind of going in blind to like three things tonight, and Susan's going to knock something down and it's going to break. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, that glass is teetering. <laughs> no, it's not. It's fine. All it's right, a glass. With some ice in it. That's right. So anyway, uh, so yeah, so we we're going in blind on three, but we know one of the fairy tales, and it's the one that I've mentioned before. Yeah. I, I'll say it. We're going to talk about the girl who trod on a loaf. Yeah. yeah. So and very we'll, exciting. Yeah. But we, if we do turnips first, let's talk about turnips. Maybe maybe people listening sure. to fairy lights and fairy nights don't know what a turnip is. Yeah, I, I, it, it is a root vegetable. It's kind of tangy. They know what that is, and it is delicious with potatoes. Neeps and tatties. As your mother told me, neeps and tatties. Yes. And uh, they are a favorite of mine now because the root vegetables are very good for you. But potatoes, not as good as turnips. But turnips, Ken has been doing a podcast for the last 11-ish years. 11 no, 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 years. No, no. About 11. 70 years. 75 yeah. years. Uh, yes. Um, 75 years. And started it's called it Turn Up the Night. Yep. Started it at the end of World War II. 
Uh, and we're still here now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but um, 11 years ago, you were like, yeah, I need this. I'm going to do it at night, and I'm going to talk, and I'm going to talk about music and maybe politics. And, you know, and you were like, I like the song Turn Up the Night. Yeah, yeah. That was the before I learned the legalities of using music in uh, programs. Yeah. I was uh, just lifting the Black Sabbath Turn Up the Night song for my intro. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, but you know, and the, but the original mission was to kind of just do whatever. So that's why I admire what yeah. you guys do on Fairy Lights for Fairy Nights because you're getting into like the old, you know, the old time radio audio or the LibriVox yeah. stuff, which is definitely yeah. in the public domain. They say it at the beginning. Oh, yeah. uh, so, um, and uh, I think I might repay Liber LibriVox at some point and actually record my version of The Girl Who Trod on a Loaf and maybe a few other Hans Christian Andersen. Uh, fairy tales out of my own copy of of the book from when I was a child that was yeah. my mother's when she was a child. Yeah. So, yeah, which is awesome. So I think you know just awesome. to re repay that community, uh, maybe me and some other people will do some LibriVox readings. And um, some of those people that do the LibriVox recordings, oh, they don't have good microphones. <laughs> yeah, you think so? Well, so so now I'm like, oh man, I want to go in, so I'm going to go in. I'm going to be like, I'm going to go in. The girl who trod on a loaf, read by He's Kenneth R. Pickle Simon Jr., yeah. 2021, yes. the year of our Lord. But anyway, we're getting, we're getting off topic. Turnips, Turnips are the is, listeners um, of the, the show. The listeners of Turn Up the Night, and there is a Facebook group called um, Turnips. Turnips. Fans of Turn Up the Night with I Kenny Pick. Fans, yeah, Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, which started you can by, join. Do you know who started the that page? I don't know. Grammy, Grammy Lee, our good oh, friend Grammy, Grammy out in California oh, started that. So yeah. I don't know if um, Grammy listens, but yeah, he started. Um, it. That's awesome. He, he pops in when he can. I think he's kind of a busy guy because yeah. I think he's been working a lot. Um, even though we're in yeah. a pandemic. So yeah, and we're in a pandemic. It's 2021, January, yeah. and it's January. What is it? 26th, Thursday. 28th. It's the 28th. 28th. Okay. If it was February, so, it'd be the um, last day anyway, of the month. The the fairy tale you found turnips is the turnip. It, it's just called turnip. The turnip. It's and called the turnip. Who knows what it's about? And um, we have to guess what it's about. Well, so, I have so many questions going into it. If you don't mind, uh, you know, uh, I mean, first of all, does the turnip have a mind? Does it have a soul? Oh, Can it speak? Sometimes they do. Can it feel? Sometimes pain? they wear clothing. In fairy I mean, tales. I like that. I, I'm just so confused. Is it is, is it somebody who gets turned into a turnip? Is that why it's called a turnip? Because you turn turnip turn them into a turnip. <laughs> um, well, we have no idea. It's only seven and a half minutes long. It, Anything is it could happen. Blue fairy? Is it blue fairy or is it um, Hans Christian Andersen? Oh, it's a LibriVox, it... and I think it's uh, it's grim. It's grim. It's grim. It's grim. Okay, I could be wrong, but I'm going to guess, because I like to guess, um, that it's a story about people that were horribly poor, because it's Grimm's fairy tales, and um, they had one turn up between them, there was a and blood feud. they made a soup out of it, and uh, <clears throat> they fed the village or something. You know, something like that. I'm going for sentient, I'm going for I'm going for sentient turnip. You're going for sentient smiling. I'm, I'm all turnip in. That might sentient turnip. Turnip with pants. teeth. Turnip with teeth God, and, and coveralls. 
turn up with teeth. Oh man, teeth and, and all right, so maybe thumbs as okay. well. So yeah, so if we haven't heard the fairy tale, we like to wonder. Um, yeah, what postulate it might be all about. So yeah, yeah. so so this is uh, shall I shall I go ahead and run it? This seven and a half minute masterpiece from LibriVox. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philip Colderman, Minneapolis, Minnesota, December 2005. Fairy Tales by the Brothers Grimm. Chapter 41 The Turnip. There were two brothers who were both soldiers. The one was rich and the other poor. The poor man thought he would try to better himself, so pulling off his red coat he became a gardener, and dug his ground well, and sowed turnips. When the seed came up, there was one plant bigger than all the rest, and it kept getting larger and larger, and seemed as if it would never cease growing, so that it might have been called the Prince of Turnips, for there was never one, such one seen before, and never will again. At last it was so big that it filled a cart, and two oxen could hardly draw it, and the gardener knew not what in the world to do with it, nor whether it would be a blessing or a curse to him. One day he said to himself, What shall I do with it? If I sell it, it will bring no more than another, and for eating, the little turnips are better than this. The best thing, perhaps, is to carry it and give it away to the king as a mark of respect. Then he yoked up his ox and drew the turnip to the court and gave it to the king. What a wonderful thing, said the king. I have seen many strange things, but such a monster as this I never saw. Where did you get the seed, or is it only your good luck? If so, you are truly a child of fortune. Ah, no, answered the gardener. I am no child of fortune. I am a poor soldier who never could get enough to live upon. So I laid aside my red coat and set to work tilling the ground. I have a brother who is rich, and your majesty knows him well, and all the world knows him, but because I am poor, everybody forgets me. The king took pity on him and said, You shall be poor no longer. I will give you so much that you shall be even richer than your brother. Then he gave him gold and lands and flocks, and made him so rich that his brother's fortune could not be compared with his. When the brother heard of all this, and how the turnip had made the gardener so rich, he envied him sorely, and bethought himself how he could contrive to get the same good fortune for himself. However, he determined to manage more cleverly than his brother, and got together a rich present of gold and fine horses for the king, and thought he must have a much larger gift in return, for if his brother had received so much for only a turnip, what must his present be worth? The king took the gift very graciously, and said he knew not what to give in return more valuable and wonderful than the great turnip. So the soldier was forced to put it into a cart and drag it home with himself. When he reached home, he knew not upon whom to vent his rage and spite. At length, wicked thoughts came into his head, and he resolved to kill his brother. So he hired some villains to murder him, 
and having shown them where to lie in ambush, he went to his brother and said, Dear brother, I have found a hidden treasure. Let us go and dig it up and share it between us. The other had no suspicions of his roguery, so they went out together, and as they were traveling along, the murders rushed out upon him, bound him, and were going to hang him on a tree. But whilst they were getting all ready, they heard the trampling of a horse at a distance, which so frightened them that they pushed their prisoner neck and shoulders together into a sack, and swung him up by a cord to the tree, where they left him dangling and ran away. Meantime, he worked and worked away, till he made a hole large enough to put out his head. When the horseman came up, he proved to be a student, a merry fellow who was journeying along on his nag and singing as he went. As soon in the, as the man in the sack saw him pass under the tree, he cried out, "'Good morning! Good morning to thee, my friend!' The student looked about everywhere, and seeing no one, and knowing not where the voice came from, cried out, who calls me? Then the man in the tree answered, Lift up thine eyes, for behold, here I sit in the sack of wisdom. Here have I in a short time learned great and wondrous things. Compared to this seat, all the learning of the schools is as empty air. A little longer, and I shall know all that man can know, and shall come forth wiser than the wisest of mankind. Here I discern the sights and motions of the heavens and the stars, the laws that control the wind, the numbers of sands on the seashore, the healing of the sick, the virtues of all simples, of birds, and of precious stones." Wert thou but once here, my friend, thou wouldst feel thine own power of knowledge. The student listened to all this, and wondered much. At last he said, Blessed be the day and hour when I found you. Cannot you contrive to let me into the sack for a little while? Then the other answered, as as very unwilling, A little space I may allow thee to sit here, if thou wilt reward me and entreat me kindly. But thou tarry yet an hour below, till I have learnt some matters that are yet unknown to me. So the student sat himself down, and waited a while. But the time hung heavy upon him, and he begged earnestly that he might ascend forthwith, for his thirst for knowledge was great. Then the other pretended to give way, and said, Thou must let the sack of wisdom descend by untying yonder cord, and then thou shalt enter. So the student let him down, opened the sack, and set him free. Now then, cried he, let me ascend quickly. As he began to put himself in the sack, heels first. Wait a while, said the gardener. That is not the way. Then he pushed him in head first, tied up the sack, and soon swung up the searcher after wisdom, dangling in the air. "'How is it with thee, friend?' said he. "'Dost thou not feel wisdom coming unto thee? "'Rest there in peace, till thou art wiser than thou wert.' So saying, he trotted off the student's nag, and left the poor fellow to gather wisdom, till somebody else should come and let him down. End of chapter 41 what? <laughs> yeah, 
not this picture, not what you pictured, huh? Yeah. I mean, more of a morality tale. Why, why did he have to be such a dick to the student after that? After his brother had tried to have him murdered, he gets yeah. strung up in the sack, and then he pokes his head out, and then he becomes this bullshit artist who's like. You know, he could just say, "Hey, man, could you let me down? I got this. Uh, I got some turnips I can give you." Or, well, no, no, he had all the money from the king. Let me yeah. down. And I'll, I'll give you uh, some horses and gold, stuff like that. You yeah. know, I'll pay for your education. No, climb in the sack and I'll string you up and leave you to die like I got left. That is some nonsense. It's some strange nonsense. It should have been his brother who came back and he put in there. Yeah, I don't know. My lord. So, My but no, it was interesting. The turnip turns out the turnip is was just a giant turnip, not sentient, no teeth, no thumbs, no coveralls. No. Little disappointed. Not gonna lie. I do like your picture, and I wish you would draw it. Oh. <laughs> if you would enjoy drawing a turnip. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could bang that you know. out. Uh, maybe I'll doodle, could be doodle that later and put it in the chat room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, it's like, okay, so it seemed like the morality, uh, the, the moral of the story just got really muddy and weird there at the end. Cause the moral of the story yeah. to me seemed to be like, okay, well, here's, here's the story. The, 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 I mean, it's a twist. It's a, it's like M night Shyamalan wrote this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, all along yeah. they were right under the, they were under a, an overpass. You know, um, yeah. but, yeah. Uh, you know, and there was a semi, uh, but, but no, it, I, it, it, okay. It made sense, you know, up until the point and it said, you know, the, the, uh, you know, so the brother sought revenge. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I mean, well, maybe, maybe, you know, it, it could have been cool if maybe he'd plotted his revenge before he got the turnip home and maybe the turnip is on a cart at the top of a hill and before his yeah. brother can kill him, the turnip rolls down and crushes him to death. That that would have been yeah. cool, you know. But instead, he kind of took revenge on somebody that was less powerful? Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that either. But That is you some know, twisted, twisted, dark stuff. This is the weird thing about that we're finding out about these fairy tales. A lot of times they're morality tales and um, that are have been turned around. And a lot of times they are um, they do usually contain some sort of an amazing thing like a huge turn up that was given to the king. But, you know, sometimes they um, they don't make sense. Um, and sometimes they're they casually you know, talk about revenge and murder. <laughs> like, oh yes, yeah, so stepmother was jealous of her chil her mm. daughter-in-law and son-in-law, so she killed them. She tried to kill them. You know, it's like, d d what? Why Where did the child services? I'm just saying, why, why did the farmer have to pull this poor kid into it? He had his whole life ahead of him. He had his whole life ahead of him. He, he was trying to better himself, and then he's like, hey, dummy, you want to get in this bag where you can learn about the stars and shit? And he's like, oh, yeah, apparently I'm even dumber than than, than you, you know? Um, yeah. And, and yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I, honestly, if you're that stupid, maybe you have it coming to you. But why are they trying to pull people into their drama and just not be straight with them? Yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous. It seems like there was... Um... Yeah, I, I'm saying the Grimm's, the Grimm's were, were you know, the, 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 they should be called the Dick Brothers. Because that was a dick the move. The Dick Brothers. 
<laughs> so <laughs> that might have been a big move. <laughs> Seriously, what yeah, did that... that's the thing. It, it, it's uh, uh, interesting because you're getting like this is a fairy tale. This doesn't seem like fair. I'm just saying, if, if I had been read that when I was a kid, yeah. I, 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 what would my mom say? Well, how would my mom explain the moral of the story after this poor student was dragged in, or or was there no moral? Yeah. Was, you know, was Anderson yeah. the more more the moral compass guy? Um. Well, all I know is uh, Brothers Grimm is German and a little dark and scary, yeah. and Anderson is, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, From Holland, sw- Swedish which or is what Flemish? No, Flemish. Uh, no, maybe oh. it's not Flemish. Holland. Anyway. So, yeah, Dutch speaking. Dutch. There and you go. Um, with the Little Mermaid is the, you know, the big mm-hmm. one, the famous one. Oh, sure. And uh, then we've got the Blue Fairy, which is kind of, I'm thinking French, English border. Was it um, multiple authors? Well, I'm sure a lot of these probably had some other Well, the, the Blue Fairy out. is another thing I, I take, but they, they seem a little bose. Mm. So something gets, you know, embroidered in translation. Um, but yeah, those are those are the ones. And then you know, I'm reading uh, Scottish fairy tales, and mm-hmm. Zelda's reading Italian, and I'm reading uh, Engl- uh, yeah. Irish also. You're so reading all kinds, we're, we're going, all kinds, covering we're the bases, all around there. We got but, we got lots of stuff to bring you. I just got to say uh, this this story. I feel bad because I wanted to, to dedicate that to the turnips. I just want you guys to like my version of it is that he had the turnip parked on the top of a hill and went to kill his brother, and then the turnip fell off the wagon and rolled down and killed him. That's how I would do it. That would be a moral story. That would be interesting. See, that's the thing. Like, should we be rewriting these stories? Maybe. No, I'm I'm doing it. But I like I have I have wanted to hear that one, and um, I think I think it's better to just listen to it. You can say it's 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 a LibriVox recording. It's um in the it's it's over a hundred years old. Yeah. It's not going to have any swear words, but you're going to get something different every time. You never know uh, what you're going to get. Yeah, which I but like. you know the great thing I about think that's these hysterical. yeah, but the great thing about these old stories is you can always count on like you know something inappropriate sounding coming out. And, like they'll they'll say cock like in a really uh, uh, you know they put the cock in the basket you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> you know something like that. So you always get it. I'm always waiting you know to to yeah. hear the the inappropriate yeah. things. Unless it's the old yeah. time radio stuff, and then the racist thing comes, and I'm like, nope, 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 just throw that away. Oh, 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 oh. Goodbye, lost yeah. to history. We can we can do without you. So. Yeah, and that that stinks, but at the same time, you know, if it's if it's fifty years old, old time radio, or a hundred mm. fairy tales, you know, stuff like that happens. Yeah. So well, we can just say that was then, and this is now, and we're creating our own future right now. But sure, yeah. I, 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 I can yeah. deal with that. Yeah. Um, All so, right. So yeah, so I think uh, you know I have a I have a little treat for everybody, and, and then I figure we'll just like take a little quick break at the bottom of the hour, and we'll come back and and do um, uh, our episode. Of Let's pretend. All right, but but yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm gonna treat everybody. I I queued up a song 
Uh, it's my only song that I ever wrote with the old band, The Dad of Rock, that mentions fairies, and it's called All Cues, No oh, A's. All yes. Cues, No So All Questions, No Answers. Um, and uh, it's just about people asking dumb questions, and it really doesn't mean much of anything. Um, but yeah, so it has the line, how many coins can a fairy carry in it? It's not the best recording in the world, but it's, but it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, you did for a treat. Yeah. So we'll play that. And then, um, uh, oh, you know what I could do? I could play that, that pirate song too. Um, oh gosh. Fire in the galley. Uh, let me find that real quick. Uh, yeah, it looks like that's the version. So yeah, because all all cues no ways is very short. So I will. Uh, yeah, we'll play a couple of those those songs and some station identifications and stuff, and we'll yes. we'll come back with more fairy lights or fairy nights. Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and you're listening to Radio for Humans. Has anybody told you how good-looking you are lately? Well, they should. Oh, my good gracious me! Look at that! RadioForHumans.com
A turbulent storm tossed us like twigs. The prisoners were free from the place in the brig. They'd stolen our whiskey and taken our rum and shackled me mateys and doused them in chum. One broken lantern was all that it took. The hoosegow was blazing the entire rig. The flames started lapping from the winds and the sails. I scrambled for water like buckets and pans. The peg leg was aching, the sea cried tonight. The fire in the galley burned strong and bright. The crew was all dying with fire and blood. The ship took on water, we'd soon be a flood. Divine intervention from a city of gold. A giant hand rose from the cold sea beneath, grounding us safely on a great world. It then found the vandals who burned up the ship and squeezed them to death in its mighty grip. The hand lifted me up and six of me crew and set us in life raft with no great ado. our vessel to the deepest of deep. We stared at it for a moment with no whimper we Clutching the oars, we set away from the moon, reaching this here island the next day. It's been 14 years, and this is me home. Me quiet tired from which I never That is me story of the galley that burned I'm Tim Cormall, host of The Tim Cormall Show. And I'm Joe Santos, a co-host and head mechanic of The Clown Car Garage. Each week, our guests join a roundtable discussion of the political news of the week and peek into the GOP circus tent. And of course, no circus is complete without clowns. And each week, I inspect the clown car to see what obnoxious fumes they have been spreading all around the country. So join us each week. Admission is free, but just one word of caution. If you see the GOP clown car, get out of the way. They're terrible drivers. Hey, Joe, what was that? Uh, I think we just lost another clown car. The Tim Coromel Show, Mondays and Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. and Tuesdays at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Turn Up the Night on RadioForHumans.com. Boom, boom, shakalaka goes right there. Here's our Segway music. Segway, yes.
Those were great songs, Ken. I appreciate them. Thank you. Uh, that was uh, all cues, no A's. Probably a little too upbeat for this show. <laughs> no, not at uh, all. Not well, if you're trying all. to go to sleep and, and you know, you're know you dozing off uh, 25 minutes in, you're in for a rude awakening. But the fire in the galley Maybe. is kind of a little sort of weird little sea shanty we did where the chant was, Ohio, Ohio. Yeah, now that so. sea shanties are are popular and trending on YouTube and TikTok. Yeah, but I kind of just did a talky-talky version, not, you know, yeah. I, I didn't bother with the harmonies. Uh, Rooney, our, our old keyboard player, did the, a bunch of harmonies in that. I, but I did yeah. the I did the bass, I guess. The old I old kind of oh, layered that oh. up. So it's great. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, you yeah. know, I wish we would have gotten Good a better times. recording of it. But you know, uh, we were doing what we could with our digital eight track. At least it's preserved in some form, right? Totally, totally. Those Just were the like, times. Let's pretend. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's pretend, the, the, I picked this one on, I wanted to go with lesser known things, because Susan and Zelda obviously have a plan to flood uh, February, the month of romance, with yes. some special programming. Please remind folks what, what you're planning. Yeah, we're doing, we're doing the classics, the Snow White, Cinderella, Little Mermaid, all the princesses, all the love stories. That you can barely stomach. So I Disney figured, might have taken yeah. over, but before they were Disney, they were another guy's stories. Sure, sure. Hans Christian you know, Andersen. So we're domain. gonna have fun with it. So uh, yeah, you how to how to you know how to make uh, fun and profit using public domain <laughs> by Walt Disney, um, <laughs> and some talented yep. animators and songwriters and whatnot. But. Um, yeah. But I I just went through the let's pretend and I'm like well let's just find something I've never even heard of and which uh, I love to do I love to yeah do. and of course I haven't been privy to uh get being on air talking about cream of wheat too much so I'm really excited about that because uh, apparently it turns into poop in five minutes ah. but this one is 19 minutes long so we should just uh we should get it uh, rolling right now. This is uh, Let's yeah. Pretend, the youth who, who learned to shiver and shake. So is this about somebody yes. who learned rock and roll? Is this the story of Elvis Presley? Nah. The youth who learned to shiver <laughs> and shake? Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to bet that it's the story of someone that was a... Uh, had a cold winter and it was it was just terrible and they didn't have a blanket because they were so poor that they uh they learned to shiver and shake and, and that's uh, how they kept to, warm and that's how they kept warm or something and then things come in and save him or and then like some that. rando at the end is yeah. gonna pop in and the guy's gonna slit his throat yeah well, I don't know. I, I think you're hurt by the last fairy tale. I'm a little hurt by the turnip. I, I, you were hurt by the turnip, and I understand. Well, no, the and I'm not going to hardly... say it's not going to happen again because it very well might. <laughs> but just... uh, what do you what do you think is going to happen in this fairy tale? Um, I, I think you could be right. The, the shiver and shaking, maybe you know, it's something about you know 
kid learns to shiver and shake to stay warm because he doesn't have blankets and that's how he survived. I, I, I don't even know. Uh, or it might be dark. Or may, it, yeah, it could be, be dark. dark. It could be dark, and you know, maybe he learned to shiver and shake because uh, uh, maybe he was telling people that there were monsters under his bed, and nobody believed him. So all he did was ah. shiver and shake all night long. Could very know. well be. So could very well be. Well, uh, but I keep thinking the. Um, I think it's Echo and the Bunnymen has a song: "Shiver and say the word of every lie you've heard." Uh. going to take it. Well. That's well, going through my head, but I don't think that that's going to, you know, Well, be part let's of pretend it. like we know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, okay. let's, let's hear, let's pretend the youth who learned let's to shiver and shake. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Here. Brought to you by Cream of Weeds. It's so good to eat and we have it every day. We sing this song, it will make us strong, and it makes us shout, hooray! It's good for growing babies and grown-ups, too, to eat. For all the family's breakfast, you can't beat cream of wheat. Cream of wheat, the great American family cereal, presents Let's Pretend. Thank you. Thank you for that nice welcome, audience. How is everything? <laughs> Pretty hot is right. Gwen, Sybil, can you suggest anything to cool us off? Such as sending a chill down your spine? Well, could be. Well, just a minute, Uncle Bill. Say Cream wheat popsicles? Do you scare easily? No! All right. Then it's the story of the youth who learned to shiver and shake. Oh, I remember that one. It's about a fellow who just simply wasn't afraid of anything. That's right, Uncle Bill. And that's a great way to be, isn't it? Yes, Sybil, it is. You can't lick a fellow who has no fear. And today, it's Miriam Wolf's turn to say how we travel. Well, how about an open-air streetcar? Oh, fine, Miriam. Is everybody set? All right, let's go. One, two, three... All aboard for Let's Pretend and the youth who learned to shiver and shake. Watch your step, please. Move to the rear of the car, please. Move to the rear of the car. Once upon a time in the kingdom of mystery, there was a lad who was not afraid of anything. When anyone would say that he would shake with fear or shiver with fright, our young friend was very curious and longed to experience that feeling. We find him now in his home with his father, brother, and cousin Betty. Oh, come on now, Uncle. Tell us a ghost story. Yes, Dad. I like to hear them, too. You tell great ones. All right, youngsters. Throw another log on the fire. Pass the popcorn and lend me your ears. There, Uncle. All right, now start. And make it good and scary, will you? All right. Once there was a haunted castle, away up on a hill, where every night groans were heard. Oh, don't, Father. I can't stand those stories. Make me shiver and shake. Jack, what does one do to shiver and shake? I always wanted to and never did. Oh, cousin, you get good and scared once and you'll shiver and shake all right. You bet you will, bud. Oh, we're out of cider. Jack, go down to the cellar and get some. 
Down in that black cellar with all those creaks and rattles alone? Huh? No, sir, not me. It gives me the creeps. Have the creeps anything to do with a shiver and shake, Jack? Uh, go down there and listen to those moans and you'll know. All right, give me the picture. I want to understand this shake-up business better. He's a funny fellow, Uncle. Wasn't he ever scared in all his life? Didn't he ever shake with fear? Never. Ah, he's too dumb to be afraid, that's one. Come in. Good evening. Hello, Sexton. Come in, have some popcorn and cider with us. Thanks. Hello, Miss Betty. Good evening. How are you, Jack? All right, thanks. Here, take this chair, Sexton. Oh, thank you. I dropped in to see if you could tell me where I could find a good, strong, husky boy to help me around the burying yard. Well, how about you, Jack? You're not working now. In a graveyard? Me? Huh. Not on your life. Oh, Jack, you're funny. <gasps> Say, there's a job for Bud. How about it? He wouldn't mind. That's an idea, Betty. Maybe he'd learn to shiver and shake over there. What? Who wants to shiver and shake? My son Bud wants to, Sexton. <laughs> it seems that that is to be his highest ambition. Oh, well, I'm sure I can fix that all right. Great. Say, Dad, let's teach him a lesson. Sexton, we'll plan to give him a good scare. Now, will you help us? I'll do more than that. Let him come to work for me, and his ambitions will be realized. Hey, Here he comes. Well, Bud... Anything in the cellar? Yes, there's some moans down there, but I found out it was just the window swinging in the wind. So I oiled the hinges, and it's all right. Bud, the sexton wants a fellow to help him at the church. Doing what? Oh, digging graves, keeping spooks out of the church, ringing the bells through the night when someone has died. Sure, I'll go. I need a job. When do I start? Right away. All right? All right, I'll go over now. What do I do? Well, first go into the church and see if there are any ghosts around. Uh-huh. What do they look like? Oh, they'll be all in white with great black staring holes in their heads for eyes. All right. Uh, what'll I do with them? Kick them out. We don't allow any ghosts in the church. Oh. Uh, those are your orders, eh? Those are my orders. That's all I need to know. See you later, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, look as if he'd learn to shiver and shiver. What a boy he is. It looks doubtful, doesn't it? <laughs> Not with what I have in mind. Come along with me. I'll tell you my plans as we go. No ghost here. Hey, any ghosts in this church? Scat! I'll go upstairs to the belfry. Any ghosts up here? Oh. What's that? Oh. Company somewhere. But where? Oh. oh, there you are. Say, who are you? Oh. Well, dressed in white. Yep, the sexton said it would be. Hey, listen, ghost, can you talk? Oh. <laughs> well... Whether you can or not, uh, you're not allowed in this church. The boss said so. Sorry, but that's all. Now you get out. Go on. Oh, you need some aspirin. All right, now listen. I'll give you until I count three. And if you're not downstairs by that time, I'll kick you down. Okay, you asked for it. One, two, three. All right. Oh. Bud, you kicked him all the way downstairs, you fool. It's the sexton. Oh, my leg. The sexton? Why did 
didn't recognize him with that sheet over him. Oh, of course it is. You've probably broken his leg. Oh, how did I know who it was? Why didn't he answer? Uh -huh. What's he doing all wrapped up in white? And why are all of you hiding in this corridor? He's trying to teach you to shiver and shake, you idiot. Now I can bear no more. You get out and make your old living and don't come back until you have some sense. Yes, a fine lot of help you've been to me. Oh, my leg. All right, Father. I'll go. And I won't come back until I know what it means to shiver and shake. I'm sorry, Sexton. I only obeyed your orders. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye and good riddance. <laughs> Uh, yes, Page. What is it? A youth outside who begs audience with you. Well, admit him, Page. Yes, Your Highness. Enter, sir. You're in the presence of His Majesty, the King. Well, my goodness. Imagine that. Well, my young fellow, where are your manners? You stand before the King. What's the matter with yours? Why don't you ask me to sit down? How dare you say such a thing to... Oh, Father, don't be angry. Uh, After all, it isn't every day you find a fellow with enough courage to speak like that to you. Well, well Beatrice, you may be right. Uh, come, friend, sit down. Right. Tell me, uh, what's your name? Uh, Bud. Hmm? Bud? Bud what? Just Bud. Uh, why did you wish to see me? Uh, I heard that you offered a reward to the fellow who would spend a night in the haunted castle and get rid of the ghosts for you. Is that true? That's uh, very true. Did they tell you what the reward would be? Yes. You would give your daughter's hand in marriage. But, of course, I didn't believe it. Uh, why not? She's too lovely for you to give away like that. She ought to be allowed to choose her own husband. Do you presume to oh, tell father, me what... don't be cross. Uh. Obviously, he isn't used to addressing kings. Huh. But, after all, it's very nice to meet someone who has the courage to be honest and sincere. Thank you, Bud. Is it true... Would you marry the fellow who chases these spooks out for you? My father has said so. And besides, if anyone were brave enough for such a dangerous undertaking, I would have to admire him. But do you know what it means to enter the haunted castle? Oh, sure. It means maybe I'll learn to shiver and shake. Uh, what else? It has meant death to everyone who has ever tried it. Well, why? What happens, Mr. King? Don't address me as Mr. King. I am His Royal Majesty. Oh, excuse me. Uh, well, uh, what happens, His Royal Majesty? You, uh, we know it has men who walk around with just half their bodies. Mm -hmm. Moans, groans, and death overtakes everyone who has tried it. Well, what's the idea of all this reward? That's a fair and sensible question, Father. Please tell him. In its cellar are priceless treasures. Jewels of all kinds, bags of gold. That's what I want. They belong to our family. And you shall have your full share if you can escape the dread things and restore them to us. Well, by golly, if they're yours, you ought to have them. Oh, you're nice and brave, too. When will you start? Anytime. Now. You have real courage, Bud. Goodbye. Good luck. Good luck means I'll learn to shiver and shake. And you, if you'll have me. Come back safely, Bud. And I'll marry you. I'll see you at daylight. So get your wedding dress ready. So far, our hero, Bud, the boy who has never known what it is to be afraid, hasn't been scared worth a cent. We find him now in the darkness of the haunted old castle. Three o'clock in the morning. Oh, oh, oh. 
Well, come on, you spooks and ghosts. Do your stuff. I'm tired. Oh, this bed looks good. Hmm? Oh, what's that? Sounds like a moon. Oh, well. I'm too sleepy to come. Hey there. What kind of a bed is this? Well, sick of them. If you want to gallop all over this castle, go chase yourself. Bump all over the place if you want to. Hmm. I'm sleeping on the floor. Hello. What a lot of noise for just one half of a man. I know, I know, but, but wouldn't it be easier to come in through the door than to tumble down the chimney? Hey, where's the other half? Well, you're an ugly-looking fellow. Can't you talk? No, not so good. Well, sit down and uh, pull yourself together. <laughs> hey, that's a pretty good joke, come to think of it. Hey, don't try to shove me off this chair. Get one of your own. Oh, you won't, eh? Well, then maybe this will teach you better manners. Do what you're told after this. Well, well, well. Here's some more of your, uh, what do you call them, uh, half-brothers? <laughs> Another good joke. Well, come on in, boys, and uh, get together. Hey, what's all this you've got in your hands? Well, that looks like a human thigh bone, eh? And a skull. Hey, what do you do with these? Bone. <laughs> we bone. Oh, fine. I like to bone. Lend me a skull, will you, and let's play. You want to? Well, by golly, for half a man, you're not even half friendly. Oh, shut up. You don't want to bowl with me. You can't talk. You bore me to death. So go chase yourself. Decide what arms belong to which legs and take them away. I mean business. Now scat. Oh, rats. Nearly daylight and not one shiver or shake yet. More company. And all of them with a stomachache. Well, come on in, whoever you are. Hello. Uh, who are you? I am the ruler of this castle. Hmm. Well, uh, you'd better clean it up. It's terribly dirty. <laughs> oh, pick up your beard, old man. It's trailing on the floor. Say, you must be at least ten feet high. I am. Quite a man, I'd say. Quite a man. No man lives to go out of here. Tonight you die. Yeah? Who says so? I do. And my word is law. Well, maybe here, but not where I come from. Why, I could crush you with one finger. Don't try it, my friend. I don't crush easily. I can break this anvil in two and never know I've done it. So can I. You can? Show me. All right. Um, oh, let me have that axe you carry, will you? Uh, come on over close, Grandpa, so you can see. All right. Go ahead. All right. One, two, three. Oh, you've got my beard in the anvil. <laughs> That's what I intended to do. Oh, let me go. Oh, release me. If you're the boss of this castle, tell me where the gold is hidden. Tell me how to rid the place of all the ghosts and goblins. 
tell me, and then I'll let you go. I'll never tell you. Never. All right, then. Stay there. And be eaten alive by that two-headed snake I see crawling towards you. Let me go. That snake is my oldest enemy. He would crush the life out of me. I'll tell you. Let me go. All right, but make it quick. It's about time for the rooster to crow, and I want to know before that happens. Oh, wait a minute. I'll kill your friend, Mr. Python, before we go. There. He's out of the way. Now I'll release you. But don't forget your promise. Lead the way to the goal and no tricks. I still have the axe. And so, my dear son-in-law, as a reward for your remarkable courage, you have received half the gold the bearded man disclosed to you. Yes, and there was more there than even you expected. And as I promised you... You and my daughter Beatrice were married. Which was the nicest thing that could ever happen. You're a darling, buddy. And I'll try to make you the happiest girl in the world. Although I don't see how you could ever care for me. Oh, bud, you're so brave, so fearless. Oh, thank you, my dearest. Everything is perfect. Except I've failed in the one thing I set out to do. What is that, bud? Oh, I wanted to learn to shiver and shake. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I'm afraid it's no <laughs> Well, never mind, son. I wouldn't worry about it. Uh getting quite late. I think we'd all better say goodnight. All right. Oh, Bud, hmm? I want to have just a word with my father. Good night, my dear. Well, good night. Good night, Papa Highness. What? <laughs> How's that? Uh, I'm learning to address royalty. Mm, Papa Highness. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good night. Father, huh? I don't want Bud to hear this. Ellen? Ellen? Yes, Your Highness? Have you the pail of ice water? Yes, miss. And is it filled with a little wiggly fishes? Yes, miss. It's brimming. And oh, how they're squirming. Fishes? What on earth are you going to do, Beatrice? <laughs> I'm going to see that Bud learns to shiver and shake. Come in, Father, and watch. Oh, glad. I think he's had time to get into bed now. Open the door softly, Father. Yeah. And when I count three, Ellen, we'll throw every bit of water over him. Come on. Better tiptoe, miss. All right. Ready, Father? Yes, yes. Open the door. One, two, three. <laughs> it's cold. It makes me shiver. It's cold. I'm shaking all <laughs> Ice water and squirming little fishes have done what all the terrors of the castle failed to do. At last, my husband, you've learned to shiver and shake. Is this shivering and shaking? <laughs> Oh. That's what it is, my dear. You finally learned. Oh, well, for Pete's sake, this is, teach me how to stop. <laughs> the pretenders for today were... Sybil Trent. Bud, who learned to shiver and shake. Arthur Anderson. His father. Bob Reddick. His brother. Jack Rons. His cousin, Betty. Gwen Davies. The Sexton. Don Hughes. The King. Albert Alley. His daughter, Beatrice. Betty Jane Potter. Her maid, Ellen. Sandra Barkin. The old man of the dungeon, Michael O'Day. The voice of the half-man. Miriam Wolfe. Original music was composed and conducted by Maurice Brown. Let's Pretend is dramatized and directed by Nyla Mack. If you live in or near New York, and you'd like to see a broadcast of Let's Pretend, drop a postcard to Cream of Wheat, CBS, New York, for your free ticket. 
This is Bill Adams saying, remember to eat cream of wheat, the great American family cereal. This is CBS, Columbia Broadcasting System. I, I, what are what is it with these sadists? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so That's the, guy, the fairy tale. Well, you know, Daredevil is the man without fear. Yeah. Hal Jordan is the greatest Green Lantern because he has no fear. Bud yeah. here, but it, what what a name Bud. for a fairy tale! I mean, where did this come from? So the fifties that was considered a a wacky fun name, Bud Chip. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, seriously. But, oh, I'm, I might have a good voice to do the cream of wheat. Uh. Cream of wheat brought, no. Cream of wheat brought to you by, no. Whatever. I don't I mind that. I old time radio noise. Let's pretend brought to you by cream of wheat. Turns into Pretty poop much. in five minutes. That's um, it. Yeah. Five minutes. That's it's it. Duke. So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I mean, seriously, oh, he's too stupid to be scared. God almighty, what is it with you vicious bastards? Well, that was his, his brother or cousin. I mean, that yeah, was, yeah, it was brother. mean, but that guy was scared of his own shadow, so he was Zoinks, I don't yeah, want to work in a jealousy. graveyard. Shit. So. <laughs> I wouldn't work in a graveyard. Yeah. Here, here's the deal. <laughs> Freddie got to hang out with the girls. Uh, Shaggy got to hang out with the dog. Yeah. Shaggy so, loves the dog. Just saying. Not saying it's bad to hang out with the dog, but, you know. Uh, all right. All right, gang. Let's split up. Um, let's split up. I, I did like the the visual though of the of the half man tumbling down the uh, you know chimney. Yeah, chimney. that was fun. It's it pretty pretty. Yeah. Weird and horrific. So lots of fun, you know, ghouls and goblins and stuff in there. Obviously, yeah. there was the big setup. It was you all along. Uh, but then apparently it turned into real spirits. Yeah, yeah. That he was yeah. able to thwart. Yeah. And when was bowling invented anyway? I don't know. I was surprised they threw bowling in there. That was weird. Yeah. So, that was big in the 50s. Do you think it was actually based was on a real fairy tale, or do you think it was just something they made up because they're like, yeah, here's another story. Well, you, I'm just going to write one. Um, I think they were based on real fairy tales because they, they, they seem to say it is. But I've wondered that, too, because it does seem a little... Some of them are like, really? Was this just a... A fun tale you have for children, but then it's like you know a lot of the ones we've done, they've been like, oh yeah, I want to hear the story of how the salt sea became salty, or you know, yeah, uh, the, or well, Bluebeard is, a, yeah, that's a established Terrible. fairy tale, but yeah, Bluebeard I mean the awful. I think a lot of these are like um, were re were written, um. Mid mid eighteenth century or something, and collected by Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. Um, Andrew Lang for the Blue Fairy yeah. Book. 
Um, well, you, you know, know all I'll, those. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Let's 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 take a, let's take our break and let's do a little bit of research and see if we can find this fairy tale and see if it's actually based on something or if it's just something that uh, the uh, those folks uh, at Let's Pretend yanked out of their keister. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, but yeah, so let's go ahead and do that. Um, I need to get you guys some more transition music, but, uh, anyway, we'll just, uh, we'll jump right into it. I just use the same transition music every time. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like more. Sure. I'll get get you some more, but yeah, so let's, uh, go ahead and, uh, do that. No, that is the intro. Doggone it. (laughs) Here's transition. There we go. All right. So we'll be back right after this. And now, on with the show. Lights for fairy nights. It's time for your bedtime story. Brought to you by me, the Suze. Also brought to you by me, Zelda. Put your PJs on and sit down for a soothing bedtime story. It's not just the devil in the details. What else is lurking? Fairy lights for fairy nights. I have answers. You have answers? Good. People might have questions. I don't have questions, but... Well, what's your name? What is my name? My name is Susan. The Suze. I'm here to bring you fairy tales. And who am I? And you're Ken. Thanks. KennyPick.com Glad to be here, Suze. Sitting in for Zelda yeah. while she while she does important stuff, and we talk about yeah. uh, the inspiration for Scooby Doo. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so yeah, and, and that was uh, the guy. That was yeah. the inspiration for Scooby Doo. Well, Livin Livin said, uh, "Is Bud the inspiration for Shaggy?" No, no, that Shaggy's br- uh, Bud's brother would be Shaggy because he was the whip that would yeah. go. So there, this was uh, based on uh, the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was. Yes. So they they really kiddified it, and it's a it's a blue fairy book uh, from 1889. Uh, it was included by Andrew Lang in 1889. Yeah. It says it's classified as its own Arn. Thompson Index Type 324 of male protagonists unsuccessful attempts to learn how to feel fear. Um, okay. But he was able to fear cold. 
I think I got a little bit on that. I kind well, the, the I mean, he, he learned but to I thought it was going to be all about. Physically shiver and shake, but uh, in, yeah. in the story. But I don't know how it actually ends. We might have to um, blah, blah, blah. No, she did. She did. She dumped, uh, sent for a bucket full of stream water complete with gudgeons. Oh, my God. Those are disgusting fish. And she tossed the freezing water uh. while he was asleep. And he awoke, shivering, exclaiming, we'd finally learn how to shudder. Uh, but he still did not know what fear was. Well, those fish will give you nightmares. Those gudgeons, Jesus God. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't. I'm scared of a lot of fish, folks. Which I I didn't want to bring up, but yeah, that that is. They they are gross. Things under the sea are rather foreign looking. More foreign looking than things in the sky. You know, they really. Like They're monk. fascinating in a lot of ways. Like but. monk, everything. Every time I see the ocean, I think of dying. Yeah, yeah, you do. So the ocean is is a foreign land. It I is. love it personally. I love it. It's a uh, liquid hell on earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Uh, so That's anyway, funny. well, yeah, so, so yes, the, the, uh, the youth who learned to shiver and shake was based on the, the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was, which I would like to see if there's like a good version of it because I'm calling bullshit on, on that nonsense they did on, you know, the, ah, oh, gee, we're like a shirt. I'll go down to the, you know, come on. Trying to make I it. I don't know. Sure. I'll go down there. I ain't afraid of nothing by gum. You know, I ain't afraid of nothing. No, how I bet you my penny yes. loafers. I'm not scared. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, that place is the bee's knees. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> w w now we have, uh, we're, we're going to do, are we going to do the surprise now? You want to do the surprise now? Uh, if you would like to, yeah, yeah, I'm I want to do the surprise, surprise now. Cause, cause this is, I, I've not listened to it. But um, I picked it for the name alone, and it is another LibriVox nice. recording. And I'll nice. look up some information on it as we listen to it. Uh, but it's called, uh, this story's called The White Snake. It is called the White I Snake. I want to learn more about the White Snake. <laughs> you know what? I wanted to do this one. But you know what? Um... Real quick, um, I just I just Wikipedia'd the um, the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was. Yeah, and it's a real fairy tale. It's on Wikipedia. I know, I know that's, that's you got to trust Wikipedia. I just read right? that to you. I literally just read okay. that to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Then yeah, you, you then yeah. you. I wasn't sure. That you had Here I go again on my own. I did not mean it that way, um, but. But the real, the real controversy, though, of snake. of the white snake, is yeah, is it this? Like a drifter, I was born to walk or is it this? Like a hobo, I was born to walk Are you camp drifter or it's camp hobo. hobo? Are you camp drifter or I'm camp, camp hobo? hobo? I'm All camp right. hobo because. Here's my what I think the white snake is about. The white snake is about a dragon, I'll bet. Okay. And uh, there will be at least one hobo, a.k.a. man that is a god disguised as a hobo or a poor man in rags 
that will warn him or give him advice about how to slay said dragon. Or he'll just be as be charming as David Coverdale, darling. Yeah, tell da- you. David Coverdale. David Coverdale. David Coverdale was probably Hello. talking about his Hello, own darlings. white snake. But, he, darling, he could know more about this fairy tale than we do. Well, but I might, I, I darling, and I also, suggest, I also suggest you pick up White Snake, the blues album, coming out this summer, 2021, darling. Yes, darling. So. Yeah, and you're making fun of David Coverdale talking about the name of his band, White Snake. Uh, yeah, what, yeah, there was a, I tried to find adorable. that audio. I tried to find that audio, but what this guy, you, yeah. there was like, he was with Eddie Trunk on this like rock and roll cruise, David Coverdale was. And this dork yeah. in the audience gets up and gets to ask David David Coverdale any question he wants, any single any question. question he wants, any question his heart desires. And he says, where did you get the name for your band? And David Coverdale says, it's about it's named after my Willie darling. <laughs> Which we laughed and we laughed. I mean, my lord. So, but yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many times he's been asked that question and maybe that's why he wrote this song. Here I go again. Yeah, with that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's about my Willie darling. Adorable. So, it's about my Willie darling. It's definitely so. not about a fairy tale. Well, anyway. So yeah, let's get into the real white snake uh, from Liberbox, and yeah, maybe, maybe we'll uh, yeah, do that. You ready for that, Sue? All right, let's do it. I'm all ready for this. This is not. uh, This is not uh, this. Here I go again on my own. This is a Liberbox recording. All Liberbox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org, L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X dot O-R-G. Recording by Quentin Reed. The White Snake by the Brothers Grimm, story number 36. The White Snake. A long time ago, there lived a king who was famed for his wisdom through all the land. Nothing was hidden from him and it seemed as if news of the most secret things was brought to him through the air. But he had a strange custom. Every day after dinner, when the table was cleared and no one else was present, a trusty servant had to bring him one more dish. It was covered, however, and even the servant did not know what was in it. Neither did anyone know, for the king never took off the cover to eat of it until he was quite alone. This had gone on for a long time, when one day the servant who took away the dish was overcome with such curiosity that he could not help carrying the dish into his room. When he had carefully locked the door, he lifted up the cover and saw a white snake lying on the dish. But when he saw it, he could not deny himself the pleasure of tasting it. So he cut off a little bit and put it into his mouth. No sooner had it touched his tongue than he heard a strange whispering of little voices outside his window. He went and listened, and then noticed that it was the sparrows who were chattering together, and telling one another of all kinds of things which they had seen in the fields and woods. Eating the snake had given him power of understanding the language of animals. Now it so happened that on this very day the queen lost her most beautiful ring, and suspicion of having stolen it fell upon this trusty servant, who was allowed to go everywhere. 
The king ordered the man to be brought before him, and threatened with angry words that unless he could, before the morrow, point out the thief, he himself should be looked upon as guilty and executed. In vain he declared his innocence. He was dismissed with no better answer. In his trouble and fear, he went down into the courtyard and took thought how to help himself out of his trouble. Now some ducks were sitting together quietly by a brook and taking their rest, and whilst they were making their feathers smooth with their bills, they were having a confidential conversation together. The servants stood by and listened. They were telling one another of all the places where they had been waddling about all the morning, and what good food they had found, and one said in a pitiful tone, Something lies heavily on my stomach. As I was eating in haste, I swallowed a ring which lay under the queen's window. The servant at once seized her by the neck, carried her to the kitchen, and said to the cook, Here is a fine duck. Pray kill her. Yes, said the cook, and weighed her in his hand. She has spared no trouble to fatten herself, and has been waiting to be roasted long enough. So he cut off her head, and as she was being dressed for the spit, the queen's ring was found inside her. The servant could now easily prove his innocence, and the king, to make amends for the wrong, allowed him to ask a favor and promised him the best place in the court that he could wish for. The servant refused everything and only asked for a horse and some money for traveling, as he had a mind to see the world and go out about a little. When his request was granted, he set out on his way, and one day came to a pond, where he saw three fishes caught in the reeds and gasping for water. Now, though it is said that fishes are dumb, he heard them lamenting that they must perish so miserably, and as he had a kind heart, he got off his horse and put the three prisoners back into the water. They, left, they leapt with delight, put out their heads, and cried to him, We will remember you and repay you for saving us. He rode on, and after a while, it seemed to him that he heard a voice in the sand at his feet. He listened and heard an ant king complain. Why cannot folks, with their clumsy beasts, keep off our bodies? That stupid horse with his heavy hoofs has been treading down my people without mercy. So he turned onto a side path, and the ant king cried out to him, We will remember you. One good turn deserves another. The path led him into a wood, and there he saw two old ravens standing by their nests and throwing out their young ones. Out with you, you idle, good-for-nothing creatures, cried they. We cannot find food for you any longer. You are big enough and can provide for yourselves. But the poor young ravens lay upon the ground, flapping their wings and crying, Oh, what helpless chicks we are! We must shift for ourselves, and yet we cannot fly. What can we do but lie here and starve? So the good young fellow alighted and killed his horse with his sword and gave it to them for food. Then they came hopping up to it, satisfied their hunger, and cried, we will remember you. One good turn deserves another. And now he had to use his own legs, and when he had walked a long way, he came to a large city. There was a great noise and crowd in the streets, and a man rode up on horseback, crying aloud, The king's daughter wants a husband, but whoever seeks her hand must perform a hard task, and if he does not succeed, he will forfeit his life. Many had already made the attempt, but in vain. Nevertheless, when the youth saw the king's daughter, he was so overcome by her great beauty that he forgot all danger, went before the king, and declared himself a suitor. So he was led out to the sea, and a gold ring was thrown into it before his eyes. Then the king ordered him to fetch this ring up from the bottom of the sea, and added, If you come up again without it, you will be thrown in again and again until you perish amid the waves. All the people grieved for the handsome youth. Then they went away, leaving him alone by the sea. 
He stood on the shore and considered what he should do, when suddenly he saw three fishes come swimming towards him, and they were the very fishes whose lives he had saved. The one in the middle held a mussel in its mouth, which it laid on the shore at the youth's feet, and when he had taken it up and opened it, there lay the gold ring in the shell. Full of joy, he took it to the king, and expected that he would grant him the promised reward. But when the proud princess perceived that he was not her equal in birth, she scorned him and required him first to perform another task. She went down into the garden and strewed with her own hands ten sacks full of millet seed on the grass, and then she said, Tomorrow morning before sunrise these must be picked up, and not a single grain be wanting. The youth sat down in the garden and considered how it might be possible to perform this task, but he could think of nothing, and there he sat, sorrowfully awaiting the break of day, when he should be led to death. But as soon as the first rays of the sun shone into the garden, he saw all the ten sacks standing side by side, quite full, and not a single grain was missing. The ant king had come in the night with thousands and thousands of ants, and the grateful creatures had, by great industry, picked up all the millet seed and gathered them into the sacks. Presently the king's daughter herself came down into the garden, and was amazed to see that the young man had done the task she had given him. But she could not yet conquer her proud heart, and said, Although he has performed both these tasks, he shall not be my husband until he had brought me an apple from the tree of life. The youth did not know where the tree of life stood, but he set out, and would have gone on forever, as long as his legs would carry him, though he had no hope of finding it. After he had wandered through three kingdoms, he came one evening to a wood and lay down under a tree to sleep. But he heard a rustling in the branches, and a golden apple fell into his hand. At the same time, three ravens flew down to him, perched themselves upon his knee, and said, We are the three young ravens whom you saved from starving. When we had grown big and heard that you were seeking the golden apple, we flew over the sea to the end of the world where the tree of life stands, and have brought you the apple. The youth, full of joy, set out homewards, and took the golden apple to the king's beautiful daughter, who had now no more excuses left to make. They cut the apple of life in two and ate it together. And then her heart became full of love for him, and they lived in undisturbed happiness to a great age. End of story 36. Recorded by Quentin Reed, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, January 15th, 2006. Oh. My. God. And I didn't, I, I didn't even. I didn't even. On my own. No, yeah. I mean, we should have just listened to that. Here I go again on my own. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because that kind of fit because he wanted to travel after eating the white snake. And the white snake, eating the white snake gave him knowledge of animals' speech. Yeah, that's... Um, that's wild. Yeah, that's strange. Wild. To say the very You're least. like, but, I'm grossed out. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not grossed out by that. I'm angry at the turn it took with, you know, look at all these wonderful things I'm doing for all these animals around the earth and it's everything. But, you know, my horse that brought me here to that, you know, uh, here, let's just sacrifice the horse now to the, you know, to the ants. Oh, that's yeah. the Oh, you got to give the ants a whole horse, the horse that dragged your silly ass over there. You you can't. Yes. No, I mean, seriously, you know, uh, all these other animals rewarded him for murdering this majestic beast that he was, that, that was his companion. You just don't 
Say, oh, I'll kill a, kill a horse to feed some fucking ants. No. Nobody does that. But, you know, I mean, I really wish. I want to rewrite this and say, and then after he got the apple of life, they lived happily ever after. Until the day the spirit of the horse came back. And then. <laughs> and killed everyone. Everyone. So, you know that, and I think that has to do with the fairiness report because it wasn't fair to the horse. The fairiness doctrine. Yeah, the fairiness doctrine. If we're ever going to bring it, oh, I think Zelda's working on doctrine. it. It's going to happen. So, but yeah, yeah, but seriously, I am the ghost of the horse. You're dead, mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I'm going to show you what a real white snake does. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but and, yeah, and that we... that was awful. That was awful. I, I just couldn't let it, it just after the <laughs> after he, after he murdered his horse, I couldn't look at the guy the same way again. He seemed like an okay guy, <laughs> even though even though he was creeping on somebody's snake food and everything like that, which is just uh, disgusting in and of itself. You know, oh, what was on the plate? It was a white snake, so he ate part of it. They didn't tell us how it was prepared. Uh, they, they, they just said, oh, it was a white snake. So was it dead? Was it alive? Was it, you know, boiled for safety? Hat tip, Rhett and Link. I, I, I don't understand how, you Was know, it walking down the only road it ever Where Was it? Was it? Was it a hobo or was it a drifter? Or, once again, was he a drifter, that snake? Uh, that like white a drifter. Snake. Uh, well, I've made up my not my yeah I ain't wasting no more time on this story here uh, so because <laughs> <laughs> I know what it means to walk along the lonely street of dreams yes you do which street of dreams is also yes. a rainbow song who Richie Black no no I'm not going to do that <laughs> don't do that you will, no, stop it you stop that stop that no, stop that. Even if you're you're talking about rainbows in a different rock and roll. Form, no, this is this is. Uh, you can talk I, about rainbows. I got my rock and roll jokes out of the way, so that was that was my special yeah. treat. Where, did you like the surprise, Suze? Did you like the the little wacky comedy? I to did. Go with the white I snake, did. I wanted so. to do this one. I wanted to do this one and hear it. Well, I'm um, glad. I'm glad we listened to it together. It's all part of my rock and roll fantasy. It's all part of my rock and roll dream. Well, you know, and again, I understand what this story is about. It's like, you know, be, you know, uh, you know, it, it's it's almost like paying restitution to, you know, the, the these animals that you know have been taken advantage of or, or hurt or whatever, you know, like the answer like your horses stomp on the ground all, the, you know, all the, you know, go find a, a a watermelon or a bushel of apples or something. Don't slaughter your horse. You have a horse, you could literally Take the money you got, because he was given money to travel. He could yeah. find the nearest village, buy a basket of apples, you know, bushel of apples, and stomp on the ground and smash them all up so the ants could, you know, eat those. Or, or I don't know, if they really are lusting after meat, go trap some rabbits or something, or mice. I mean, don't even, no, don't give them meat. And Just nobody, nobody wants to... This story's supposed it, to be about being strange. nice to animals. And, and, and it involves a horse murder. I cannot abide yeah. by this. This is awful. Yeah. I um, want to rewrite it and the I'm horse comes the horse I'm comes sorry, back. there's a lot of things that happen. Oh my god. The horse Fairy comes tales. The, the horse Oh my god. This was all a ritual for that horse to come back as a god. That's how I'm rewriting it. 
Okay, and, and you and can the, rewrite it any way you want. But what I'm horse, saying is... And then the horse becomes God, and then he makes that guy the devil. Go ahead. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of things that happen in fairy tale stories that are not acceptable. And these things w- that happen in these fairy tale stories would be stopped by children's services. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The police. Sure. Uh, the just animal a, a protective league. A, a concerned neighbor? A concerned neighbor. A family member? <laughs> a family member. I mean, you know, like we started the whole thing off in, in Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, um, the, I mean. The, the mother, uh, the you know, the, the stepmother was like, we can't feed these kids. We're going to have to abandon them in the woods to die. Yeah, these all well, give me these all give me feelings like the mom who slaps her kid in the grocery store. You know, I'm like, oh, worse. These much people. worse. Well, yeah, you but, know, th- but that's the thing. Like, you know, she was like, oh, well, we have to abandon these kids in the forest to die. Well, you could go to child protective services. You could give the children to a relative. You could go to a food pantry and get more food. You could ask for help. I mean, so many things that could have been done besides abandoning the children in the woods to die. Yeah. It's a different time and a different place. And and we don't live like this. Thank God. Right. Nobody does this. Nobody. So, yeah, but yeah, this is, uh, (sighs) this is, this is, uh, this is challenging my, um, my understanding of, uh, of fairy tales right now, because, you know, they've been so, and I know there's dark ones, but you know these, these yeah. deep cut ones. There's all kinds of wrong going on in these, and I'm angry about. Yeah. Them. I'm angry yeah. about the turnip. I'm angry about the the, the, the horse. The, the, yeah, well, the horse. But I'm also angry about all those people take you know trying to make that guy shit his pants. The the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was. So that's what he wanted. That's what he wanted. My lord. And now, but I think, well, let's see, you know, the girl who trod on a loaf is coming up. I think this is going to be real oh, child. It's going to be real child abuse It's going to be real child abuse I bet. It probably is. It's and, be but awful. you know what? Yeah. It's, uh, this is, this is, and I know this one. Um, So we're supposed to say what we think. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to tell everybody what we remember. Yeah. And, um, yeah. this is a moral story. Yeah. Against vanity, against um, waste, the child's vanity and waste and things like that. And yeah, uh, yeah. so what did, anyway. what did you, as well, a child, what was your we'll talk what were about your memories? Because I never heard. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about ahead. it when we come back. Because my mom used to okay. read it to me when I was a kid. Because it had nice. scary AF pictures. But you know, yeah. I kind of loved violence when I was a kid. Lisa, if I ever stop loving violence, I want you to shoot me. Well, yeah. do. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Breaky wakey. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, this is Jody Hamilton of the From the Bunker podcast, and you are listening to Radio for Humans because seriously, do spiders have radio? Turn back, Sarah. Turn back before it's too late. 
Whether your name is Sarah or not, you have stumbled across Radio for Humans, and I am Michelle from Geeky Gals and Guys. Beyond the Goblin Town, into the Goblin Castle, and yes, it's already too late. What a horrible place this is! It's not fair! That's right! It's not fair! Sad, sweet, sour. 
Hey, this is Brad Friedman from bradblog.com and the Bradcast, heard right here. Really? Yes, it's just that simple. Listen to the Bradcast every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on Radio for Humans. Please visit radioforhumans.com and bradblog.com. Let it all hang out. Oh, wow. That, to me, is extremely exciting. Hi, this is Jody Hamilton of the From the Bunker podcast, and you are listening to Radio for Humans, because seriously, do spiders have radio? Hey, everybody, Kenny Pick coming at you on RadioForHumans.com. This goes against every rule of broadcast journalism I know. Don't change that dial. Find Radio for Humans on TuneIn. I used to be number one in this town, but people don't listen to AM like they used to. Seems like it's more about FM and color TV. That's stupid. It sure is. And be sure to visit RadioForHumans.com for more information. This is the internet. But I remember. Here we are. Not sure if the Suze is back at her station, but this is Kenny Pick sitting in for Zelda McGregor on Fairy Lights for Fairy Nights. And I'm just I'm just having fun figuring out what her clips are here because I haven't really played them. Would you consider spending the week with me? <laughs> I will pay you to be at my beck and call. Look, I'd love to be your beck and call girl, but um, you're a rich, good-looking guy. You could get a million girls free. I want a professional. I don't need any romantic hassles this week. If you're talking 24 hours a day, it's gonna cost you. Boy, where'd that clip come from? That's from Pretty Woman. Yeah, probably. Um, ah, okay. For resistor sisters. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So I was just uh, all kinds of things on there. I haven't been able to delete. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you smell a break coming up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh so you can you. use that more. So. Yeah, I don't know if that's not um. I don't know. Do you smell a break? I I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I liked that. I I think that's Larry. Listen to it. Uh. Is it rest in peace, Larry King? But I don't think this is. It sounds like it's some British comedy or something. Do you smell a break coming up? Yeah, mm. so do you. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Isn't that, it? Isn't it him? Yeah, that he was, was Larry interviewing King. this guy that uh, said women aren't funny. I'm not Ooh, funny. That's not. Yeah. Cool. Um. He was a jerk. All right. Well, here we go. So we're, we're, we are into uh, familiar territory. The girl who trod on a loaf. Let me uh, yes. pull our show. Uh, I'm going to put the large image yeah. in the in the chat room of the picture. One of Do the it. the color plate from this book that uh, my was my mom's uh, when uh, she was a kid. And uh, this is one of the color plates that, uh, and this will be our show art for our podcast listeners as well. Yeah. Uh, with the logo on top, but yeah, if you look at this, uh, this girl is haunted by like flying fish with teeth. Uh, kind of toucan Sam looking thing there. <laughs> I like the toucan Sam thing, but then there's like all these actually, horrible, you know what? Horrible he, snakes. he looks. 
Actually, he looks like that um, bird that's always giving you, by goodness, by Guinness, you know. Oh, yeah, he does look like that He looks dude. like that guy. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. Oh, oh, God, the snake with the, 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 the uh, rooster head is awful. There's awful. Awful. There's a, there's a cute little bat. The bat's pretty nice, but then there's this big, hairy, tarantula-looking thing with, like, hooks at the end of its legs, and it has a skull yeah. and crossbones on its, on its head. I mean, now you know. You show now children. Now you know why then. Kenny Pick wakes it's up so, screaming. Yeah, I, I'm a twisted man because of of stuff like this. <laughs> I am. I have yeah. that. That book is right here. I I have it. I will thump it. Yeah, it's right there. I'm thumping yeah, this book. Right it is uh, Anderson's Fairy Tales, illustrated by Arthur uh, Zeke. I don't know how to say it. It's S Y S Z Y K S Z Y K. Arthur S Z Y K Zeke. So, um, and we like to give you uh, pictures that you're not going to find on the. Yeah, we like to give you pictures from our own source books. Exactly, and uh, we like to give you pictures that uh, sometimes may haunt your dreams, and this one might. <laughs> this one might. There's other. This whole book is full of stuff like this. These illustrations are twisted. I yeah. I I should scan them. Unless I can find them online, I'll look and see while we're listening to this yeah. and see if I can find Arthur Zeke's artwork online because I bet he did Believe some other really when... awful stuff. Believe me when I tell you, everything in my library has been gone through, and I've tried to get rid of them. The ones that I can't get rid of are are precious and special. Yeah. So I've tried. If it's something I'm not terribly attached to, I will. Give it to uh, my little library. We've got a lot of those in this yeah, area. Yeah. My little library where somebody especially, else can take yeah. your books. Away. Newer books, especially, you know, or yeah. whatever. I have a lot of books so, that I if probably... If I don't love it, yeah. I give it to somebody, you know. Yeah, somebody that's I smart. Don't know. That's smart. Yeah. But yeah, so we, we, we're a little short on time, uh, but I, it's okay. okay. We can go, we can go yeah. over a little bit. I, I, you know, I own the station, so I can do whatever I want. Um, yeah, you can so this is uh, this is what I remember from the girl who trod on a loaf. Is again an Anderson story, uh, pretty horrific. Um, but I guess I was kind of being a little hard on uh, Grimm earlier for being so dark. But uh, this this is for Anderson. This is a real dark one. Um, and yeah, it, it, from what I remember, the the girl in the story, uh, I think her name was Inga or Ing Inge. Um, and she was not very well to do, but she was a spoiled ass brat. Um, you know, her parents weren't rich or anything. She was just a spoiled brat and did whatever she wanted. And, and that happens, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and at one point in the story, uh, she doesn't want to get today. her shoes muddy after she's been sent to the store to get some bread or the, you know, sent to the bakery to get some bread. And uh, she's walking back, and she sees a big puddle, and she doesn't want to get her shoes dirty. So she, she throws the loaf of bread in the puddle and walks on the loaf of bread. And then she's screwed. <laughs> and then... And then it's just a nightmare of tears and screaming. Yeah. Uh, it's it's awful. It's awful. I but mean, you you know what? It's awful. You asked your mom to read this to you. Well, you know, and, you liked again, it. It when scared I, you. You liked when, it. When I was a kid, I, I you know we didn't have a ton of money. You know, there was you know lots of layoffs at General Motors and stuff like that, and we were not you know, you know we had a safety net with family and everything, but we were not super well to do. So 
they told, you know, they taught me. It's like, you know, don't waste food. Don't be, you know, you're not rich. You know, that, that there are kids, star this is the, you know, there's kids starving in Africa, you know, thing they always used to say to me. There's when the I was, girl that trod on the note, the, you know, the loaf. People are starving in Ethiopia, as they used to say, you know. Yeah, so finish your dinner. So, yeah, it, but uh, this, I, I, I think, is like, you know, when you don't have anything and you just start throwing things away, your life is going to get infinitely worse. Yeah. So it's a moral lesson. That's that's, that's what I remember. Anything yeah. else you want to chime in on there before I load it up? Well, this is um. What is the exact name of the book? Is this it, is Anderson. Uh, the, the exact name Anderson? of the book I read. Yeah, it's Anderson's Fairy Tales, illustrated by Anderson. Arthur Zeke. And this book is probably okay. from the early 1900s. Let me see. Anderson. Hopefully. I thought it was um because it does have um a lot of. The majors, like yeah, it it has. A, I mean, this book, you know, is the Garden of Paradise, little tiny, the fir tree, the storks, little Ida's mm -hmm. flowers, the red shoes, the ugly ducking, the girl who trod on a loaf, the bottleneck, mm -hmm. the Snow Queen, you know, the wild swans, the nightingale, the elder tree, mother mm -hmm. stuff. So, but I don't know what year this book is from. I'm having a hard time ascertaining the year, but I'm gonna guess it's probably from the 30s. Um, yeah, that's that's what it looks. It'll like. have the first so, copyright and then the. The, the most it, recent copyright yeah it does on the second or third page but yeah, it's, it, it's it a doesn't. good one it's a nice old book and it's beautiful yeah and i haven't is. seen a lot of color pages but yeah, yeah it has color plates in it too which is really exciting mm -hmm. so gorgeous um but anyway uh you know what i'll do sometime if you guys want i'll read the rubaiyat of omar khayyam if i can get it out of my mm -hmm. office it, <laughs> it's in my work office um <laughs> So, uh, but here we go. Uh, this is, uh, let's see, where are we? Um, yeah, Anderson. There we go. This is it. And it's, uh, it's 18 minutes. So here we go. Section 18 of Fairy Tales from Hans Christian Anderson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox. Dot org. Recording by Cal Taylor. Fairy Tales from Hans Christian Andersen. Translated by Mrs. Edgar Lucas. The Girl Who Trod on a Loaf. I dare say you have heard of the girl who stepped on a loaf so as not to soil her shoes, and all the misfortunes that befell her in consequence. At any rate, the story has been written and printed too. She was a poor child of a proud and arrogant nature, and her disposition was bad from the beginning. When she was quite tiny, her greatest delight was to catch flies and pull their wings off to make creeping insects of them. Then she would catch chafers and beetles and stick them on a pin, after which she would push a leaf or a bit of paper close enough for them to seize with their feet for the pleasure of seeing them writhe and wriggle in her efforts to free themselves from the pins. The chafer is reading now said little Inger. Look at it, turning over the page. She got worse rather than better as she grew older, but she was very pretty, and that, no doubt, was her misfortune, or she might have had many a beating which she never got. It will take a heavy blow to bend that head, said her own mother. As a child you have often trampled on my apron. I fear that when you are grown up you will trample on my heart." This she did with a vengeance. She was sent into service in the country with some rich people. 
They treated her as if she had been their own child, and dressed her in the same style. She grew prettier and prettier, but her pride grew too. When she had been with them a year, her employer said to her, You ought to go home to see your parents, little Inger. So she went, but she went to show herself only, so that they might see how grand she was. When she got to the town gates, and saw the young men and maids gossiping around the pond, and her mother sitting among them with a bundle of sticks she had picked up in the woods, Inger turned away. She was ashamed that one so fine as herself should have such a ragged old woman who picked up sticks for her mother. She was not a bit sorry that she had turned back, only angry. Another half-year passed. Little Inger, you really ought to go and see your old parents, said her mistress. Here is a large loaf of wheat and bread you may take to them. They will be pleased to see you. Inger put on all her best clothes and her fine new shoes. She held up her skirts and picked her steps carefully as to keep her shoes nice and clean. Now no one could blame her for this, but when she came to the path through the marsh, a great part of it was wet and muddy, and she threw the loaf into the mud for a stepping stone to get over it with dry shoes. As she stood there with one foot on the loaf and was lifting up the other for the next step, the loaf sank deeper and deeper with her until it entirely disappeared. Nothing was to be seen but a black bubbling pool. Now this is a story. But what had become of her? She went down to the marsh wife who has a brewery down there. The marsh wife is own sister to the elf king and aunt to the elf maidens who are well enough known. They have had verses written about them and pictures painted. But all that people know about the marsh wife is that when the mist rises over the meadows in the summer, she is at her brewing. It was into this brewery that little Inger fell, and no one can stand being there long. A scavenger's cart is sweet compared to the marsh wife's brewery. The smell from the barrels is enough to turn people faint, and the barrels are so close together that no one can pass between them. But wherever there is a little chink, it is filled with some noiseless toads and slimy snakes. Little Inger fell among all this horrid living filth. It was so icy cold that she shuddered from head to foot, and her limbs grew quite stiff. The loaf stuck to her feet, and it drew her down, just as an amber button draws a bit of straw. The marsh wife was at home. Old Bogey and his great-grandmother were paying her a visit. The great-grandmother is a very venomous old woman, and she is never idle. She never goes out without her work and she had it with her today, too. She was busily making gad about leather to put into people's shoes, so that the wearer might have no rest. She embroidered lies, and strung together all the idle words which fell to the ground to make mischief of them. Oh, yes, old great-grandmother can knit and embroider in the fine style. As soon as she saw little Inger, she put up her eyeglass and looked at her through it. That girl has got something in her, she said. I should like to have her as a remembrance of my visit. She would make a very good statue in my great-grandson's outer corridor. So Inger was given to her, and this is how she got to Bogeyland. People don't always get there by such a direct route, though it is easy enough to get there in more roundabout ways. What a never-ending corridor that was to be sure. It made one giddy to look either backwards or forward. Here stood an anonymous crew waiting for the door of mercy to be opened, but long might they wait. 
Great, fat, sprawling spiders spun webs of a thousand years round and round their feet, and these webs were like footscrews and held them in a vice, or as though bound with a copper chain. Besides, there was such everlasting unrest in every soul, the unrest of torment. The miser had forgotten the key of his money chest. He knew he had left it sticking in the lock, but it would take far too long to enumerate all the various tortures here. Anger experienced the torture of standing like a statue with a loaf tied to her feet. This is what comes of trying to keep one's feet clean, she said to herself. Look how they stare at me. They did indeed stare at her. All their evil passion shone out of their eyes and spoke without words from their lips. They were a terrible sight. It must be a pleasure to look at me, thought Inger, for I have a pretty face and nice clothes. And then she turned her eyes to look at them. Her neck was too stiff, but oh, how dirty she had got in the Marshwife's brewery. She had never thought of that. Her clothes were covered with slime. A snake had gotten among her hair and hung, dangling down her back. A toad looked out of every fold in her dress, croaking like an athletic pug dog. It was most unpleasant. But all the others down there looked frightful, too, was her consolation. Worse than anything was a terrible hunger, she felt, and she could not stoop down to break a bit of bread off the loaf she was standing on. No, her back had stiffened. Her arms and hands had stiffened, and her whole body was like a pillar of stone. She could only turn her eyes, but she could turn them right around so as to look backward, and what a horrid sight it was. And then came the flies. They crept upon her eyes, and however much she winked, they would not fly away. They could not, for she had pulled off their wings and made creeping insects of them. That was indeed a torment added to her gnawing hunger. She seemed at last to be absolutely empty. If this is to go on long, I shan't be able to bear it, she said. But it did go on, and bear it she must. Then a scalding tear fell upon her forehead. It trickled down her face and bosom, right down to the loaf. Then another fell, and another, till there was a perfect shower. Who was crying for little Inger? Had she not a mother on earth? Tears of torment shed by a mother will always reach it. But they do not bring healing. They burn and make the torment fifty times worse. Then this terrible hunger again, and she not able to get the bread under her feet. She felt at last as if she had been feeding upon herself, and had become a mere hollow reed, which conducts every sound. She distinctly heard everything that was said on earth about herself, and she heard nothing but hard words. Certainly her mother wept bitterly and sorrowfully, but at the same time she said, Pride goes before a fall. There was your misfortune, Inger. How you have grieved your mother. Her mother and everyone on earth knew all about her sin, how she had stepped upon the loaf and sunk down under the earth, and so was lost. The cowherd had told them so much. He had seen it himself from the hillock where he was standing. How you have grieved your mother, Inger, said the poor woman. But then I always said you would. Oh, that I had never been born, thought Inger then. I should have been much better off. My mother's tears are no good now. She heard the good people, her employers, who had been like parents to her, talking about her. She was a sinful child, they said. 
She did not value the gifts of God, but trod them under her foot. She will find it hard to open the door of mercy. They ought to have brought me up better, thought Inger. They should have knocked the nonsense out of me if it was there. She heard that a song had been written about her and sung all over the country. The arrogant girl who trod on a loaf to keep her shoes clean. That I should hear that old story so often and have to suffer so much for it, thought Inger. The others ought to be punished for their sins, too, said Inger. There would be plenty to punish. Oh, how I am being tormented, and her heart grew harder than her outer shell. Nobody will ever get any better in this company, and I won't be any better. Look how they are all staring at me. Her heart was full of anger and malice towards everyone. Now they have got something to talk about up there. Oh, this torture. She heard people telling her story to children, and the little ones always called her wicked anger, and she was so naughty that she had to be tormented. She heard nothing but hard words from the children's mouths. But one day, when anger and hunger were gnawing at her hollow shell, she heard her name mentioned, and her story being told to an innocent child. A little girl and a little creature burst into tears at the story of proud, vain anger. But will she ever come up here again? asked the child. And the answer was, she will never come up again. But if she was to ask pardon, and promise never to do it again. She won't ask pardon, I said. But I want her to do it, said the little girl who refused to be comforted. I will give my doll's house if she may only come up again. It is so dreadful for poor Inger. Those words reached down into Inger's heart, and they seemed to do her good. It was the first time that anyone said poor Inger without adding anything about her misdeeds. A little innocent child was weeping and praying for her, and it made her feel quite odd. She would have liked to cry herself, but she could not shed a tear, and this was a further torment. As the years passed above, so they went on below without any change. She seldomer heard sounds from above, and she was less talked about, but one day she was aware of a sigh. Anger, anger, what a grief you have been to me but I always knew you would. It was her mother who was dying. Occasionally she heard her name mentioned by her old employers, and the gentlest words her mistress used were, Shall I ever see you again, Inger? One never knows whither one may go. But Inger knew very well that her good, kindly mistress could never come to the place where she was. Again, a long, bitter period passed. Then Inger again heard her name pronounced, and she saw above her head what seemed to be two bright stars. They were, in fact, two kind eyes which were closing on earth. So many years had gone by since the little girl had cried so bitterly at the story of poor Inger that the child had grown to be an old woman whom the Lord was now calling to himself. In the last hour, when one's whole life comes back to one, she remembered how as a little child she had wept bitter tears at the story of Inger, the impression was so clear to the old woman in the hour of death that she exclaimed aloud, O oh Lord, may I not, like Inger, have trodden on thy blessed gifts without thinking, and may I not also have nourished pride in my heart, but in thy mercy thou didst not let me fall. Forsake me not now in my last hour. The old woman's eyes closed, and the eyes of her soul were opened to see the hidden things. 
and as Inger had been so vividly present in her last thoughts, she saw now how deep she had sank, and at the sight she burst into tears. Then she stood in the kingdom of heaven as a child, weeping for poor Inger. Her tears and prayers echoed into the hollow, empty shell which surrounded the imprisoned, tortured soul, and it was quite overwhelmed by all this unexpected love from above, an angel of God weeping over her. Why was this vouchsafed to her? The tortured soul recalled very earthly action it had ever performed, and at last it melted into tears in a way Inger had never done. She was filled with grief for herself. It seemed as though the gate of mercy could never be opened to her. But, as in humble contrition, she acknowledged this. A ray of light shone into the gulf of destruction. The strength of the ray was far greater than that of the sunbeam which melts a snowman, built up by the boys in the garden. And sooner, much sooner than a snowflake melts on the warm lips of a child, did Inger's stony form dissolve before it and a little bird with lightning speed winged its way to the upper world. It was terribly shy and afraid of everything. It was ashamed of itself and afraid to meet the eye of any living being, so it hastily sought shelter in a chink in the wall. There it cowered, shuddering in every limb. It could not utter a sound, for it had no voice. It sat for a long time before it could survey calmly all the wonders around. Yes, they were wonders indeed. The air was so sweet and fresh, the moon shone on brightly, the trees and bushes were so fragrant, and then, the comfort of it all, its feathers were so clean and dainty. How all creation spoke of love and beauty! The bird would gladly have sung aloud all those thoughts stirring in its breast, but it had not the power. Gladly would it have caroled, as do the cuckoos and nightingales in the summer. The good God who hears a voiceless hymn of praise, even of a worm, was also aware of the psalm of thanksgiving, trembling in the breast of the bird, as the psalms of David echoed in a heart before they shaped themselves into words and malady. These thoughts and these voiceless songs grew and swelled for weeks. They must have an outlet, and at the first attempt at a good deed, this would be found. Then came the holy Christmas feast. The peasants raised a pole against a wall and tied a sheaf of oats on to the top so that little birds might have a good meal on the happy Christmas day. The sun rose bright and shone upon the sheaf of oats, and a twittering bird surrounded the pole. Then, from the chink in the wall came a feeble tweet-tweet. The swelling thoughts of the bird had found a voice, and this faint twitter was its hymn of praise. The thought of a good deed was awakened, and the bird flew out of its hiding place. In the kingdom of heaven, this bird was well known. It was a very hard winter, and all the water had thick ice over it. The birds and wild creatures had great difficulty in finding food. The little bird flew along the highways, finding here and there in the tracks of the sledges a grain of corn. At the baiting places, it also found a few morsels of bread, of which it would only eat a crumb, and gave the rest to other starving sparrows, which it called up. Then it flew into the town and peeped about. Wherever a loving hand had strewn bread crumbs for the birds, it only ate one crumb and gave the rest away. In the course of the winter, the bird had collected and gave it away so many crumbs of bread that they equaled in weight the whole loaf which 
Little Inger had stepped upon to keep her shoes clean. When the last crumbs were found and given away, the bird's gray wings became white and spread themselves wide. A turn is flying away over the sea, said the children who saw the white bird. Now it dived into the sea, and now it soared up into the bright sunshine. It gleamed so brightly that it was not possible to see what became of it. They said it flew right into the sun. End of section 18. Recording by Cal Taylor. So... I read along in my book with most of that, and it was almost word for word verbatim. It's a slightly different translation. Really? It's a slightly different translation because I had to. I started reading it Bogeyland. I was like, "Is this guy making up Bogeyland?" I had to look it up. Bogeyland is totally legit. It's in my book. Bogeyland's in there. I want to read that again. Yeah, yeah. I I will. Gl- nice I'll read that passage. I'll I'll read that passage of Bogeyland. Uh, before was we there answer. the Marsh Wife? And her brewery? Yeah, yeah, it was all there. Okay. It was all there. Yeah. The only difference in the translation or, or his his version of it was it was like somebody or someone. You know, it was things like yeah. that. It was or yeah, there was an thing. there was little, an extra and or an extra the or something like that thrown in. But yeah, so uh, but there but is it, not that much moral saving. In, no, in, it, honest to God, it sounds yeah. like her. Yeah, she she never came back, but it, it 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 turned into a story of how, you know, that loaf of bread you used to save your shoes could feed all of these little birds. They would yeah. take one crumb and call the others and give all the crumbs away, which and we see that because we feed our birds. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, they're it's, adorable. It's I basic, love our birds. This this story is is similar to the white snake, yeah. Uh, where it's it's giving back, but it's not. It's it's only the human suffers, not the horse. In this, you yeah. know, yeah. there is no horse in this. Yeah. And yeah, we are. But I don't uh, think there was much redemption. We I know we did go over, and I'm yeah. There was there was yeah. really no redemption. Probably. It was etern- it was an eternal suffering <clears throat> that brought yeah. about something else that was good. It was like it's like human sacrifice to make something good in nature. Uh, you know, yeah. you know, like those yeah. very you know Norse Norwegian you know kind of old gonna, school human yeah. sacrifice for the crops. I'm gonna start brewing beer. I'm yeah. going to start brewing beer, and I'm going to call it Marsh Wipes Brewery. Or Bogeyland Brew, Brewery. Or bro- in Bogeyland Brew, yeah, here, Marsh let, Wife. Let me read you that part. Um, Marsh Wife. Uh, but yeah, the, so here, I'll start with the... Um, uh, it, it, yeah, let me... let me. I'll, I'll just start at the top of this page here. Well, no, I'll, I'll put it up. Inger put on all her best clothes and her fine new shoes. She held up her skirts and picked up her steps carefully so as, uh, as to keep her shoes nice and clean. Now no one could blame her for this. But when she came to the path through the marsh, a great part of it was wet and muddy. And she threw the loaf into the mud for a stepping stone to get over it with dry shoes. As she stood there with one foot on the loaf and was lifting yeah. up the other for the next step, the loaf sank deeper and deeper with her Ooh. until she uh, entirely disappeared. Nothing was uh, uh, to be seen except, uh, or, I'm sorry, nothing was to, see, to be seen but a black bubbling pool. Now this is the story, but what had become of her? She went down to the marsh. Oh, she went down to the marsh wife who has mm-hmm. a brewery down there. The oh, marsh yeah. wife is, the marsh wife is own sister to the elf king. 
and aunt yeah. to the elf maidens, who are all well enough known. They have had verses written about them and pictures painted, but that um, but all that people know about the Marsh Wife is what uh, is when the mist rises over the meadows in the summer. She is at her brewing. Yeah. And it was uh, into this brewing that little Inger fell, and no one can stand being there long. A scavenger's cart is uh, sweet compared to the Marsh Wife's brewery. But then it, it talks about um, old bogey, and yeah, it talks about bogey land. I can't, I can't read that much more, though. Yeah. So my voice is a little tired. Yeah. Fascinating. But uh, I do I do like a fairy tale that tells me a little bit about Bogeyland or Fairyland. Yeah, Bogeyland yeah. is up. I hear that there's the real estate in Bogeyland is up and coming, actually. Yeah. Very desirable. <laughs> well, now that they've got some breweries, I mean, that's well, the yeah. first step when you've got some breweries opening in the area. Exactly. And Marsh King, Marsh, yeah. Marsh Wife's Brewery is my new brewery name. <laughs> well, I, I feel so much better about feeding the birds every day out here, you know, um, yeah. because, uh, you know, it's like that. I guess I'm doing justice by poor Inger, who has turned into a statue yeah. and tortured for eternity. We need to yeah. find out if her statue still exists and free her from the curse. Yeah, well, we could try. Nah, we could just... try, but I don't think the... Um... The elf king or the marsh wife in Bogeyland are giving her. They're letting her go. They're not letting her go because people have cried and and it, it that's that's the sad part. When your mother dies and her last moment is mm -hmm. thinking of you, that's like when um that's like kind of the end. If if no one on earth hears your name or says your name or cries for you again, this you're kind of in bad shape this story is how Nobody's my mom got me to eat liver and okra as a child ah. Ah, you don't want to be turned into a I... statue and die and you can't hug yeah. me right so yeah but you know when I, I felt... when I when you say these things about yourself as a child who is this you should see pictures of Kenny Pick as a child he was blonde with these big brown eyes like they're so big Big, They're big. like, he's a little anime character. It's so freaking <laughs> cute. He is. Bowl it's cut. adorable. Bowl cut. Little bowl cut. I can see him running around. Ah. Lots of energy. Lots of happiness. Yeah. Joy. Yeah. Before, you know, before, before the world. Before the incident. Before the incident of when before I got old. Before that incident. Of when of I got old. Of when before I got he paid old. too many electric bills. And, yeah. You know. So. Yeah. But I felt really bad for all the people, you know, especially that one little girl. She was like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to make sure Inger gets out. She's not going to be a statue anymore. Yeah. And, and we're going to go away yeah. together and have fun and all free here. But 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 at the end, you know what happened? Here I go again on my own. Without Inger. Without Inger. See, yeah, that's true. Well, see, that's the do thing. You, like, do you think the little girl? Do you think the little girl did it drifter style or hobo style? Ho a hobo all the way. Oh yeah. yeah um, no, actually, the, the little girl. Wait, the little girl's a drifter, not a hobo. A drifter. The little oh. girl is a beautiful drifter. Right. The hobo is drifter. I gotta get this straight. So, anyway, you know what? I'm I taking call your question serious. I really. Am.
you know what I called the name of the the large picture of this that I shared with everybody? Yeah. Uh, I saved the file as loaf large. <laughs> loaf large. Loaf large. The Marsh Wipes Brewery and Bakery, and 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 the and the picture we have is like the girl trotting on the loaf on top of the sign. Yeah, and you know, located on the I, corner I, of Bogey Land and uh, Marsh Road, yeah, or whatever. And Marsh Road, yeah. Yeah, Marsh Road. Gosh, so adorable. But shady, yeah, I, um, shady Marsh Run. I think this is a this is a good story, but this is a medieval rewritten morality story. Yeah, it is called a fairy tale. There are fairies in it, but they punish, which is odd. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like. I'm always interested in more information about how to get to Bogeyland. What Bogeyland sure. is like. Where Bogeyland Draw is located. Draw some maps. Show us, you know. Who uh, dwells in Bogeyland. Blah, blah, blah. All yeah. these things. But I am more interested in uh, the fairy tales that are like kind of pre-Christian. And they don't contain this sure. morality. Like they contain an, almost an anti-morality mm-hmm. of... Okay, the fairies, they lie for their own reason, and that's not considered morally bad because they've got their own things that they're... There's a lot of moral ambiguity around all these. I mean, seriously. There is. We're, 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 but, we're but usually the, the fairies have, they have their own stories, their own backstories that they're working on, and they come up to our dimension and they're like, hey, I got to sell you this stick, but I can only take a penny for it. Do you want to buy it? And they need that penny for another reason, and we don't. We never find uh, out why. Do you think but, they have? You know. Do you think they have ideals? The um. Yeah. They well, they don't have ideals, but they've got they've got a pecking order for Are you sure. sure. Are you sure they don't have any ideals at all? They might have ideals. Without knowledge of jewelry, my dear Gigi, oh, a boy. woman is lost. Do you? I won't play the whole thing. Never mind. I love so. that. That. It's it's late. It's late. It's it's almost a quarter after. But yeah, this was fun. Yeah, Uh, I really liked going. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm sorry we went a little, probably because of my verbosiveness. But I do like the good story. You think I didn't talk? You're a little verbose too. (laughs) You you talk a little bit. We we can. Here's the thing. Susan and I actually have a lot of practice speaking with one another. I don't know if you know this. So we are. That's all we do. We are talk I mean, and talk and talk. We, we just talk. So that's why about. we need we need um we need radio Str- for humans. Distractions too. Please go to uh, um Patreon Fairy Lights for Fairy Nights to to donate because if you don't do it, we'll just be talking to each other till we're we're both insane. Yeah. If you so don't we're do it, we're trying to structure things. Yeah. We're trying to talk about topics and interesting things and and whatever we want in the news and anything. But I think we're we trying need to, to structure it instead of just you and me talking to each I think we need to chill. reach out to Cream yeah. of Wheat and see if they want in on this action. I think so too. Yeah. I'm in. So yeah. uh but yeah, no, no, I had a lot of fun. I'm uh kind of yeah. glad Zelda had something going on tonight because this is kind of just what I needed tonight to to talk about, you know, to explore some stuff that you know, we're, we're that we just heard for the first time. And that was yeah. a lot of fun. And of course, the girl who trod on a loaf, which is a story who's near that's near and dear to my heart. But I'll tell you what, that guy did a decent job reading it. But I really, after hearing it, I want to do my own version of that, and maybe some others. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. 
And brought to you by Marshwife Brewing and Bakery. On the corner of Bogey Land and Shady Marsh Run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. I don't know how to brew beer or how to bake bread, but I'm going to do both of those things. Bobber knows how to do both of those. And we heard yeah, the I list know, by right? Bobber on the show tonight. But anyway, Susan, yeah. uh, bring it on home for us. Okay. Let's uh, wrap it up. Yeah, thank you for listening to our fairy tales. Uh, please visit Patreon at uh, Fairy Nights for Fairy Lights. I will post in Discord, or can we post it, um, whichever, the podcast you're listening to now. We're on SoundCloud, too, and uh, that's it. You guys are awesome. Thanks for listening. And Ken. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. For fairy nights. It's a blast bringing this stuff to you. Radioforhumans.com.